The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints happy cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's its painful. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Saints Happy Hour Podcast. We are wrapping up Saints Bucks Divisional Playoff Week in style. We convinced Zach Streif to join us again, friend of the podcast. Uh, Zach, how are you doing today? Gentlemen, I'm doing very well. It's good to get a chance to catch up with you. <laughs> yeah, man. I, well, I have to say, you know, the thing that sucks about COVID, besides the obvious, uh, is that I was really excited about having our second live show at Port Orleans this year. And, you know, our first was at yeah, Tracy. Wow. We had a big crowd. It was a great turnout. But in my head, it was a special night at Port Orleans with more fans, better vibes. So I'm sad it didn't happen, Zach, but hopefully we can see you here soon and do that. We, we can all certainly hope that uh, that the, the rest of the, our lifetimes are not like that. And uh, the brewery's not going anywhere. And so uh, we're, we're ready and, and waiting um, for the worst Saints podcast uh, that John <laughs> says to come into our uh, facility. I don't know if we're the worst podcast. We definitely have the worst host. Uh, <laughs> so... Zach, you know, I want to I want to start with the real important stuff because people come to this podcast, they want football breakdown, tape analysis. So I, I need you to explain to me. Does 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 Chauncey Gardner Johnson, CD Deuce, when you're around his presence, do you just automatically want to punch him? Does he does he exert like a pheromone where you're like, I gotta punch that dude in the face? Like, what is he? What's his secret magical power that? Everyone that comes in contact with him wants to punch him in the face. I'll tell you what, it's it's so impressive, right? I mean, it just yeah, there may not be a question that Saints fans have on their minds more in the last couple. Like, what is he saying? Like, how good is he at getting under people's skin that he's now convinced the Bears twice to punch him on the field and get kicked out of a game? So uh, it's certainly fascinating um, to see a guy have that type of impact um, on people around him. You know, I, I, I was never on the team with Chauncey, so I don't have um, a ton of experience with him. But I, I do know his rookie year um, in the Saints locker room, it's kind of arranged by position, and it kind of just just kind of floats around the room. So it's running backs, then wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line, then it kind of makes a turn on the back wall, and then it's DBs, uh, turns again into the quarterbacks, then linebackers and D-line. That's kind of the arrangement. So the DBs and the offensive linemen are next to each other. And um, I remember sitting down after a training camp practice his rookie year, 
and I'm sitting next to Toronto Armstead and we're just kind of talking about practice and uh, Chauncey comes up and he's chirping and it's, it's all like in jest, right? It wasn't like he was really angry or anything, but talking, talking, talking. And he gets up from his locker and walks away. And I look at Toronto and I say, is he always look? is he always like that? And he goes, he never stops talking. He's like, it's unbelievable. It's just, he goes, he's got so much energy. It just never shuts down. And I think he's probably one of those guys when he's, when he's your teammate and he's in your locker room, it, it's like he's the funny, best. right? That he's just like, just kind of this guy that's bouncing around all the time. Well, unless, unless and you're Michael Thomas. Well, fair enough. Right. And then when you're on the other side of it, right. Which somebody may have found themselves uh, on the other side of it in that situation. Uh, he's just very good at it. And I think it's probably also effective because he's a good football player. And, you know, when you're playing football and people are talking, your your immediate instinct is always to physically win, whatever that means, right? If you're a wide receiver and you're, you're you know, the DB's chirping at you, uh, you want to catch a ball, right? I mean, that's your answer. That's your response. If you're an offensive lineman, you want to take a guy down to the ground, right? And so – if you're losing to him as well, and that's what I think we saw with the Bears over and over and over again, is he won't stop talking. He's relentless, but he's also winning every time. And so you just run out of response options, right? <laughs> like you're out. Okay, I, I can't say anything else, right? He keeps re. It's like he's reloading his ammunition because he keeps winning. I don't have any options left. I'm just gonna punch him. And so it's kind of that combination of being really good at talking and also performing on the field well enough to back some of it up. Do you guys remember that scene from Dumb and Dumber where Lloyd Christmas, yeah. and Jim Carrey's <laughs> character, he's like, do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? And he's in the car and he just goes, and like, that's what I picture Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Somebody, somebody tweeted at me during the game when Wims dropped that touchdown pass. He said, Ralph, Vegas has taken the odds of CD Deuce getting punched by a Bears receiver off the board. Like you knew when that <laughs> happened that eventually yeah. it was going to go to a place like you said, where they just ran out of responses, where the response is just, I have to punch you in the face. And the thing is, he net like he net, he doesn't even act like it happened. Like that's the thing I just, it, yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, you take the first one, right, with Javon Wims in Chicago. I mean, I, I guess you're giving credit, right? Like, he took <laughs> two punches to the face with no response, which is pretty incredible, right? I mean, it, let's be honest. I mean, once somebody throws the first punch, usually it's there's a punch that returns. And it, it, it's really how you identify that Chauncey re, Chauncey's not mad or angry. Chauncey likes to talk, and he likes to get underneath people's skin. And he's okay with them being the ones that respond. He's okay with it. And I think that's, you know, that's the line that Chauncey's going to have to learn. This is not going away. Chauncey's not going to stop <laughs> this, right? This isn't like, okay, we saw it in his second year, but now we're not going to see it anymore. That's who he is. That's how he was at, at, at you know, in Florida. Um, it's part of the reason why the Saints got Chauncey where they did in the draft, because he rubbed some people the wrong way. And, you know, for him, it's all going to be about, can you continue to control yourself um, to where, you know, it's not hurting your own team? You know, I mean, you, you, you look at that. I mean, listen, the officials are going to know. I think that there's probably, I'd be real curious to hear from an official. Well, you, wh what, what exactly was his, uh, you know, was his penalty for? 
they know that he's the one that's causing people to do that. But is it really a penalty to talk so much trash to to a guy that he has to punch you? I don't, I've never seen it in the rule book before, but, um, you know, they, they know that it's him and he's going to continue to get called for it. Uh, it's just a question of, you know, when it starts hurting the team, um, then then Chauncey will have to deal with Sean's response to that and Mickey's response to that. And um, otherwise, you know, as long as he's not hurting the Saints, man, nobody's going to stop him. I mean, he's clearly getting people. <laughs> it's like that old of what they shouldn't be thinking of. Right. It's like. like- Anthony it's, Miller's running around the field like I'm gonna punch him. It's like it's that old Dukes of Hazard line. Like, it's like the old Dukes of Hazard line when Roscoe P. Coltrane he would arrest the Duke boys and they would say, "What are you arresting me for?" And he would say, "Cause you're the Dukes and I know you did something wrong." I think that's with the referee. Yeah, they exactly. just throw the flag on CD because they know whatever he said is probably horribly, horribly offensive. Yeah, I guess, right? I mean, uh, Chauncey could be selling. I mean, if he recorded himself, he could sell it right now. Because, I mean, who is not curious about what exactly is coming out of his mouth, right? There's no way you're just like, oh, you suck, right? Like, it's like some pretty creative, like, I wonder if he studies it. Does he investigate, like, the guy? Like, you just wonder, like, man, how does one guy do that as well as he does? Because it is every game. They don't punch him every game, but. They look like they want to every game. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, well, Zach, I want to plug your your Tuesday night show real quick because uh, I love it, and I think it's the best hour of Saints audio, besides us, of course, uh, every week. And and uh, you, you have a show with Mickey Loomis, and uh, I find it embarrassing that I didn't really know about the show until recently, but you, you get all these ridiculous guests. Like your most recent show, you're, you're rolling with Mickey Loomis, and you got Bill Polian on there, Aaron Andrews, Vince Vaughn. Uh, and well, now you're stuck with Ralph. So yeah. I guess life comes, life comes at you fast. Uh, but yeah. I, I just wanted to plug that real quick because, uh, this is a show that you're working on now and it's just, just tremendous. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I, it, you shouldn't be embarrassed. You didn't know about it. I should be embarrassed because that's probably, <laughs> uh, on me of doing a better job of promoting it. But yeah, um, we're doing this show every Tuesday. It's a year round show. Um, you know, during the season in particular, um, you know, Mickey will be on every week and the off season, we'll give him some days off, but it, it's been really fun. Cause it's kind of, it's almost variety. Um, you know, I'm not going to interview Vince Vaughn and talk about sports the whole time. Right. But he's a fascinating guy. You know, it, it was, that was very much a fanboy experience for me because I'm like right in that demographic, right. I'm 37. So, you know, when, when, uh, when Vince is in his heyday, right. 2003, I'm 20. Like I couldn't be, any dumber at, at, you know that's like the dumbest phase of my life so old school and wedding crashers like those those really uh those those were big for me so um yeah we you know those we had all, all them on Aaron Andrews was really fascinating but we've had some really cool guests this year uh we had Dub and Burt Jones on so you know Dub is the only living the only other living member of the six touchdown club that Alvin joined this year um 
he did it in 1952, I believe. Uh, he's also the son of Burt Jones. Um, and so, you know, former uh, offensive player of the year in the NFL, former LSU Tiger. LSU, really yeah. Outstanding player in his own right. Um, but, you know, listen, you get to talk to Dub. Um, you know, he's in his 90s. He was all there. We had a really cool conversation. He played with Otto Graham uh, with the Browns, right? So I'm a Northwestern guy. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like Otto Graham is, right? I mean, he, he's like our great hope, right? Like we could we can produce, uh, you know, like the best, uh, we haven't done it in 70 years, but, you know, it happened once. Um, he played under Paul Brown. Like, it's just really fascinating. He was the first NFL player to ever go in motion, right? Like, it's really cool. It's like like interviewing a history book. So um, uh, we had Fred Hayes on. Fred was one of the three astronauts on Apollo 13. Um, again, 83 years old, remembers down to the name of the instrument panel that he was reading to decide – uh, whether they had enough oxygen to get back to earth. I mean, just really fascinating stuff. And the saints have been fantastic, um, helping, you know, with those guests we've had, um, PGA golfers, Ryan Palmer was on. And then of course, you know, getting a chance to sit with Mickey, um, and have a more in-depth conversation. I think this off season is going to be really fascinating. Um, oh, talking yeah. about their cap, you know, the cap and like, I'll, you know, we'll get Kai Harley on there. Um, who's the magician that everybody really should know. He's the cap manager for the Saints. So, you know, Mickey gets all the credit, but it's really Kai Harley. Um, you know, just to talk a little bit about, you know, how they – this year is a little bit different, but, you know, they've been managing the cap so effortlessly, it seems like, over the last decade when, you know, there seems to be no money. Somehow Kai finds ways to get money. So uh, it's a good show. It's on every Tuesday, 7 to 8. Um, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. So, and, and we'll post the full interviews, um, on WWL's website after the air. Beautiful. Well, Hey, I feel the same way about Vince Vaughn cause we're about the same age. And I just feel like if, if I had an opportunity to interview him, it would be one of these like, Hey, uh, do you remember that scene when, when you did that, that was pretty funny. And, and, and how about that? <laughs> right. scene? Like, yeah. it, it, it yeah. would just be, it'd be horrible. So they filmed swingers. You- they filmed swingers like a gorilla film because they had no money and they would go places <laughs> yeah. they weren't supposed to go and film stuff. It's a, it, like how they did swingers was a, it's an amazing article. Find Google swingers and ringer and it's a ama- it's an amazing oral history if you're a Vince Vaughn fan by the way. Yeah, and and, and Vince kind of mentioned that you know that it was like we we didn't even think that was going to ever get put like in an actual theater. Um, and, and, you know, you think back to those guys at that time, right. Vince Vaughn and, and, uh, uh, you know, John, it's like those guys have, have had a a huge role in like movie history in my life. Right. And, and they were essentially unknowns at that time. You know, I asked them like, do you, do you go into your career? Like, Hey, I'm a comedy guy kind of started in, in drama, but, but really, you know, he hit that stretch in the middle. He's like, no, he's like, you meet a couple people, you go film a movie. It's like, we were young, we were idiots. Like we were just trying to make like funny jokes for ourselves. Right. He's like, he's like, it was like a frat party on set. And, you know, you just get on a roll and one of them gets, you know, people come to see one and then you get the, the ability to make 10 of them. So it was fascinating. He's yeah. He's, he's like, for me, I know he's not maybe like written in and the, like the top echelon of actors in history, but probably more impactful than most in my life. <laughs> Nice, nice. All right, well, let, let's talk. Let's talk about this playoff game. So, you know, I think this is probably true of most Saints fans, but Ralph is maybe like the 
example on steroids. So Here we Ralph, go. Ralph, Ralph is like a cocoon of fear when Here it comes go. to yeah. playoff games. And if, if there's like five stages to grief, Ralph's <laughs> arc of play, playoff feelings is like 15 stages. So, so right. like he, he picked the Bucks on our show on Monday night. Then he picks the Saints in his column on Tuesday. He's all over the place. I might pick the Bucks um, again when I go on WWL Friday. Right, right. So, Zach, like, help us remove the emotion from this a little bit. I know there are tons of variables that go into a playoff game, but can you help, like, just, just uh, taking the emotion out of it, X's and O's, what are the variables in this game? Well, there's, you know, the, there's kind of the obvious, you know, uh, elephant in the room and that they've already played them twice and beat them twice. Right. And I think there's this perceived belief that it's hard to beat a team three times. Um, I understand why people make that assumption. The statistics don't really bear that out. Right. 14 uh, of the 21 teams to beat a team twice in the regular season and see them in the playoffs, beat them again, including the saints uh, fairly recently. Right. Um, the reality is it's hard to beat playoff teams. So it's certainly hard to beat a playoff team three times, which is why you don't see it a lot. Right. Um, I think that those two first two games have zero bearing on this game. I don't think they have any bearing on it whatsoever. It's not like Tampa Bay is angry, right? Like it's a playoff game. Everybody is trying their hardest, no matter what, that it's almost hard to say, anything motivates you in the playoffs other than it being the playoffs right so uh that that i think leads to a lot of the fear obviously saints fans are traumatized right it's been a rough three years to be a saints fan to have all that promise and then not only not have it go how you want but have it end how it has um you know it's interesting like going into this week and then having bill polian on Bill Polian lost three straight Super Bowls in Buffalo. Okay, he was the GM in Buffalo when they lost the first three of four in a row. So probably nobody on the planet understands the feelings that Ralph is having better than Bill Polian, right? <laughs> as a matter of fact, he made a joke. Nobody has ever been as good at losing Super Bowls as I have. He went to five and lost four of them. Oof. So... Um, you know, it's including one to the Saints, right? So uh, I, I, I understand why people have fears. If you look at this game on its surface, you say, and you say, hey, how, how do these two teams match up, right? The Saints are a bad matchup for the Bucks, And why are they a bad matchup? Well, what has Tampa Bay done really well kind of the back half of the season? Like, what, what is it about them that's been successful? Well, they overwhelm secondaries, right? There's, there's too many weapons on that team to match up for most squads. So, you know, you watch last week's game um, and you see, you know, Chris Godwin running a, a, you know, essentially a flag route, you know, the Saints would call it a giant. And, and it's like, you know, they got their fourth corner trailing Chris Godwin with like no safety help. It's like not a good situation, right? He's going to be open by six <laughs> yards. And it's because they don't have the people to put out there against them. That's the first thing for me when you look at the Bucks that the Saints provide that most teams don't is we are so deep in the secondary and they have guys that can match up. You have Marshawn Lattimore, you have Janoris Jenkins, who I'd make the argument has been our best corner 
this season. You know, everyone talks about Marshawn. He's been very good. But Janoris, I think, has been even better. You have Chauncey that we talked about. You know, you've got Malcolm Jenkins, who's played substantially better in coverage after the first six weeks of the season. So you've got a lot of pieces that you can kind of throw out there. The other thing is they've done a better job of kind of establishing the run, and the Saints have been absolutely dominant with them uh, in that aspect. So, you know, they're making them somewhat one-dimensional, um, and they've got guys to match up. Now, what are they doing? You guys talk like X's and O's. The Saints have played them in a lot of, of trail cover, too. And essentially what that means is you're allowing your corners to cover that guy without worrying about him going over the top. You're going to have help over the top. But you also uh, are going to get to kind of like like stay right on top of these receivers, right? You're not worried about the deep ball, so you're kind of sitting on everything underneath. And it's made Brady hold on to the ball a lot longer against the Saints. So you have you have a guy who's pretty reliant on the passing game, who doesn't like pressure, who's not able to necessarily find a bunch of really um, quick, short routes to get the ball out to. And his offensive line is broken down. So, you know, you go back to that first game and in the first half, they're in the backfield like every play. But Brady's also holding on to the football in that game over and over and over again. And I think it's just a personnel matchup. It's something that the Bucs aren't really used to, that they haven't seen a lot of teams able to do to them. Um, and it's not a it's not a really good matchup for them in, in that way. If um, And so, so, you know, when I look at it, I go, well, has that changed any? And I don't know how it has. Well, that that's my question is you look at the these two Tampa games, especially the second one, and it wasn't like Tampa can say we had ten penalties, they blocked a punt, they blocked they ran a kickback, we had four turnovers, and if we just eliminate all that, it'll be fine. Like the Saints curb stomped them. So if you're the Saints and you know, hey, this is what they like to do. But it never – it hasn't worked against us for two times. Like, how do you prepare if you're Sean Payton? What do you expect Tampa to throw at the Saints that's new, that's different, that they haven't seen? Well, I think it'll be important for them. I think they're really going to try to establish the run. They've got to help their offensive line out. I think they've got to find a way. You know, they lost Alex Copa um, last week. In the first – in the second matchup, they didn't have Ali Marpet, who I think – their best offensive lineman um and you know what you watched in the first in that second game in tampa was david on yamada like i mean making a mockery of a backup guard i mean it was bad right every play he was in the backfield i think he had four quarterback hits in the first half it's really wild i mean he's a d tackle right and not it's not aaron donald right it's it's a guy that it's again it's a bad matchup up front um but i think they need to establish the run in, in this game you know they used um you know, Fournette a lot more last week. Ronald Jones has been hurt. He didn't practice yesterday. I haven't seen the injury report from today. I don't practice today. Um, practice. He did practice today. Yeah. So you got a guy that's kind of banged up, right? Should be available. It's going to want to be available, um, but maybe not at a hundred percent, but them establishing the run, I think is the thing that we have not seen them do that they know that they need to do. So, you know, you might see some variation in that, you know, more, more motion. What have the saints, you know, really struggled to defend, this year defensively boots and nakeds, you know, it, it, that's really been an area where they have not done a great job. Maybe you see the bucks do some of that. Obviously you're not, you're not wanting to do a ton of that with Tom Brady. Um, and yet, you know, maybe that opens up some more, maybe that gives you more time 
um, just because it's an area where the Saints haven't, you know, necessarily been real dominant. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want to go into these games and like turn into a new team. Right. They've won 12 games now. So you don't want to like abandon ship and say ah, that didn't work. Um, I think, you, you know, you still want to do what you're doing. I'm sure there's some belief that Antonio Brown, it was his first game with the Bucks when the Saints saw him the first time. So he wasn't really, you know, into the system yet. So, you know, they've had more time together. I'm sure they feel like he'll be more effective um, in this game. And, and, you know, maybe we see him do some different stuff than I'm sure he was pretty limited in the first uh, in that first game back. So, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to do what they do. I think we're going to see Tom Brady throw the football. Maybe they try to move him a little bit more. I think it's important they try to find a way to establish the run. Well, Phil Simms had this thing uh, that he said, uh, the former Giant quarterback that's now on CBS, but he said, you know, when he was playing, the Giants swept the uh, the Washington team uh, back when they were still the Redskins, and they played them again in the playoffs, and then they won a third time. But the way Sims put it, he was like, you know, all this stuff about it's harder to beat a, a team three times. And it's, you know, the thing about the matchups is there's no more secrets. Everyone knows exact knows the X's and O's, knows the matchups. The teams know each other really, really well. And Sims's point was it really just boils down to who has the better roster. Like who's going to execute better and who has the better players? Because at the end of the day, it's really hard to get that far along in a season, play a team three times and catch them off guard with something. Um, do yeah. you, do you agree with that? hundred percent. I mean, there's not magic, right? Like <laughs> they're not going to sit down and say, well, here we can put all these routes in that they don't know how to cover. Right. That's not, that's not going to happen. I, I think Bruce Darians in general, he is who he is. He always has. I mean, he's done the same things everywhere that he's went he's he's been that same guy they're not going to reinvent the wheel I think in general in the playoffs you know there's a couple of things people always talk about you know defense and and running the football you know these kind of fundamentals it's about executing so you could have the perfect game plan and not execute it at all and lose by a lot and have the same game plan and execute it perfectly and win a game by 20 points and you know so again to that point where who does that give an advantage to well it's absolutely the saints you know this roster has by and large been together for two or three years and it's the same system it's the same offensive coordinator the same defensive coordinator the same play caller the same quarterback and so you know that continuity when you when you're talking about talented teams goes a long way you know, there's no figuring out going on necessarily with the Saints. They're trying to put together the best plan they can, but they know what Drew does well. They know what Mike does well. They know what Alvin does well. So let's let's see how many times we can put them in positions, you know, where they can be successful. Whereas, you know, okay, well, how does Antonio Brown fit in in between Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, right? Like Chris has been in the slot, you know, that's been his most effective place, but so is Antonio. So who's going to have that spot? And, you know, th- there's certainly more, still going on for them trying to figure out how to maximize what they have. And so I, I would agree with, with Chris's assessment that, you know, you've, you've got a, you've got a better team because of that continuity, as opposed to the bucks who kind of threw this thing together, you know, in an off season. All right, Zach, I'm a big believer in family and family reunions and that sort of thing. So when Mike Evans, goes to the Superdome on Sunday. Does he have to bring his father 
Marshawn Lattimore? Does he have to bring him a gift? And if so, what kind of gift should he give his father? I see what you're doing there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's no question. Mike Evans is not a huge fan of Marshawn Lattimore. I will say in the first game, you know, and, and this was with everybody, we, he didn't have any yards. I think he had a couple of catches, but, but he, he forced about three penalties. And you see that with Mike a lot. Um, he's a big physical guy. You see, you see corners getting flagged with him a lot, which I find ironic because he's, you know, if you're big and physical, that means you're pushing, right? Like you're, yeah. there's, there's not necessarily like a physicality to just running. Um, so, you know, he gets kind of, he, he likes to mix it up with DBs. And again, that's, that's a great matchup for Marshawn Lattimore. He, he is a really physical cornerback. He's a big guy. He, he tackles really well. Like that's his wheelhouse. Um, so again, you know, maybe, um, you know, if you're Tom Brady and, and you watch enough tape of, of Mike Evans and, and Marshawn Lattimore, maybe you go, Hey, look at the bright side. I got two other really good receivers. Maybe I'll work on one of those guys a little bit more, but, uh, there's no question. Mike Evans, uh, has not, not fared great against Marshawn. Listen, we stuff this podcast with ads like Jonathan Sullivan used to stuff his face with hot dogs during the pregame for Saints games. If you don't like the ads, sign up and become a patron today. Patrons get access to this podcast ad-free. No ads ever. And they get the Booze Bundle welcome box, four swag items, amazing, and a Saints player card, and you get access to the Discord channel. Why wouldn't you do it? It's 10 bucks. You're practically making money so do it today go to saintshappyhour.com and sign up to become a patron at saintshappyhour.com <laughs> well my theory zach with this secondary is that and i've told ralph this and you you mentioned all the guys marcus williams Lattimore, both jenkins um chauncey garner johnson the personnel is there to match up with antonio brown mike evans gronk um you know godwin all, all, all these weapons that they have on the perimeter so my theory is as long as the Saints don't have a mid-game injury in the secondary, and this is not to take anything away from the depth because P.J. Williams has had his moments and D.J. Swearinger can play too, and they've got guys, but I feel like the Saints are in good shape and they match up as long as they don't have mid-game injuries in the secondary. But if they're in a position where they're having to go down the depth chart and all of a sudden, you know, Ken Crawley or, you know, hypothetical Ken Crawley is on Godwin or, or something like that. That's where it can start to get more dicey for the saints. Do you think that's fair? Well, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that's probably um, in most situations, obviously the talent that they have um, makes that a bigger issue. Um, right. You know, having a guy that can really win there, you know, I think it'd be interesting this week to see if the saints get, um, if, 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 uh, P Rob's able to come back. Cause I think P Rob's the kind of guy that can go in a game like that and, and really have a, a pretty positive effect. Um, he can be effective, you know, even against those types of guys, um, you know, not having him, I think it's probably a little bit more of an issue of, of, you know, are we going to have, if, if we lose one of those guys, is there someone sitting there that we can really trust at the same time? it's one of the great benefits, right. And having two guys who are essentially press man corners and, and you have that with, with Marshawn and Janoris is, you know, so what does it mean? Well, maybe we need to roll this coverage a little bit. Maybe, um, you know, maybe the linebackers are settling a little bit more. I, I think one of the things that you have an advantage of with the saints is 
you know, Dennis Allen, uh, I think who's done an incredible job was a defensive back, right? That that's his wheelhouse. That's, that's, if there's anything Dennis Allen really, really, really is an expert at it's, it's how do I build these, um, these coverages to help my guys out. And, and I think they've done a good job adjusting throughout the year, but there's no question when, when you're playing in the playoffs, you want your best guys on their best guys and, you know, losing any one of those guys in the secondary against a team with that many weapons is, is pretty tough. All right, uh, Zach, let's change gears for a second. And I want to talk about uh, Fontenot and I want to just talk about, yeah, as a fan, I don't see his day-to-day value. And I kind of just assume my, you just as well get the draft picks. Cause that's something that's tangible that I can see. And, I generally think Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis have everything under control. Uh, but, it, but everything you hear behind the scenes is, you know, there's really brilliant people that help the organization win. And you know, I'm just curious your thoughts on like, there's, there's more assistants getting interviewed this year than ever. And we, we may lose some assistant coaches. It, it certainly looks like Fontenot is headed to uh, the Falcons as a GM and Jeff Ireland is, is still getting uh, some feelers as well. So uh, can you just talk about losing him specifically to the Falcons and, and how big of a role that is to replace? I'm surprised it's taken this long, honestly. Um, you know, people love to kind of try to steal from success. And if you want to talk about just simply building a talented roster, I mean, I, I don't know how that whole room, that whole side of the building's not gone already. <laughs> you know, I mean, Terry, Terry Fontenot, listen, Terry's, Vice president, he's he's the pro scouting director, right? So when you look at free agent signings over the last few years, that those are uh, Terry Fontenot is kind of taking the lead on that scouting. So, you know, you talk about a guy like Latavius Murray. Um, you know, they're they're in a contract negotiation with Mark Ingram. Um, you know, Mark Mark is looking for Mark's agent is looking for X amount of dollars. The Saints say we're not going to commit that that amount of dollars. They go to Terry and go. We need a running back that fits in the system that can be a, a consistent and positive performer. And, you know, Terry's role there is to say, I like Latavius Murray. He's available. I think we're going to, you know, from a pricing standpoint, uh, you know, we think that he's going to fit in our budget. Um, you know, I like him catching the football out of the backfield. He's physical. He's, he's fumbled one time in seven years. Um, you know, he's been very productive down in the tight red zone. He does all these things well that we like about Mark, except he's going to cost half as much money. I would make the argument Latavius Murray has been a heck of a free agent signing. Um, Big time. Especially, Big time. When, especially when you consider what they've paid him. Right. So, you know, he, he has been a, quite honestly, for a veteran running back that's given us the production he has, he's been a bargain um, on top of the fact that he's been available. He, he takes care of the football when he's had to step in to the, to the primary role for Alvin, he responds with 200 yard games, right. In two weeks. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the world of Terry Fontenot. And I think he's excellent at it. First of all, general managers are more about picking players, right? You have a team of people, a lot of people's, you know, a lot of people's um, are, are making suggestions are, are, you know, giving their opinions and the GM's job is to kind of organize all those and make a decision. But ultimately, a general manager is the, is the top of your organization, right? He's the leader. He's the guy that, that needs to run the show. And, and I think that's really where Terry Fontenot is going to thrive. He is just about as impressive a person as you can imagine, 
I can't, I, I would, I would not, I'd be very hard pressed to find somebody that I'd be more comfortable leading an organization than Terry Fonda. So, yeah, but we don't want the um, Falcons to be successful, Zach. No, nah, like I Terry. Hear you. Listen, I hear that. <laughs> I will tell you this, and I love Terry. I want Terry to have the opportunity. Um, I want him. I want him to have an opportunity where where he's set up for success. Um, and you know, I I know that the Falcons are lovable losers, so I don't know if that's the best place for him. But would it or would it not? be the most Falcons thing ever to take our guy, but also in return, give us two third round draft picks. Yeah. I'm, I'm, because I'm that's here for it. What will happen. So yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, they, they probably haven't thought of that, but listen, that, I, it, it'd be a really great hire for him. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to see the Falcons get better. Um, but I also know this and, and we see this, I think with, with uh, Jeff Ireland as well, you know, who's making these ultimate decisions. It's Mickey and Sean. And they're, they're taking input from a lot of people, um, but those are the guys that are making the decisions for us. And you don't want to lose talented guys. And I think Terry will do a great job. I really do wherever he goes. Uh, but I'm, I'm not worried about our state, right, and where we um, end up with, without those guys. I think yeah. that uh, we're, we're still in awfully good well, shape. Well, I think the thing that's most imp- that's impressed me the most about Mickey Loomis is I think his superpower as a GM is he hires brilliant people. He hired Sean Payton. He was watching videotapes. They have like videotapes of these of like assistants that would do like a videotape interview like they were doing an interview and Mickey Loomis was watching that and that was his first impression of Sean Payton and he's like okay that videotape of him doing an interview was really good. I want to talk to him actually. Like that to me of all Mickey Loomis's skills that he can identify these people and hire them is his greatest skill for the saints. You know, Mickey, I've always found Mickey super fascinating. He's got a, a really, uh, almost a fascinating, um, aura about him. He's very calm and collected all the time. He always seems very in control. You know, I negotiated a couple of contracts with Mickey directly and, he was always incredibly honest. Things that he told me were going to happen always happened. He, he almost had a way of like building a trust um, without giving you any information. He's pretty good at it, at it in interviews. Like I laugh about it now with him. You know, we get off air, like trying to figure out how to ask you a question, knowing that you're not going to answer me. You're just going <laughs> to give me some superfluous fluff that I'm supposed to try to right? like. Um, and, and of course that's his role in that job, right? His job is not to be a, an interviewer giving a bunch of secret information. It's just to, you know, be the face of the organization and make those decisions. But th- there's, you, you learn this in any industry, success is predicated on people. So you can have the great, pl- the greatest plan in the world. You could have the nicest facility, you know, you can, you, you can do all these other things, but if you don't have the right people in the building, then you're not going to be successful as a company. And so seeing the success in the Saints organization and knowing the guy who has by and large been responsible for the bulk of those hires, I, I don't think there's any arguing with your point because you don't find success if you don't have the right people in the building. Um, I think that's a great credit to Sean as well. You know, Sean, Sean the, the, the coaching staff for the Saints – it really is amazing that they've been able to hold those guys together. You know, it really is. I mean, when you look at some of these guys around the league that get, you know, deals after a year of success, 
to watch the years and years and years of success that the Saints have without losing some of these guys is it's amazing. But man, it's an all-star team. Aaron Glenn is going to be a fantastic head coach. Um, I, I think Dan Campbell is going to be an outstanding head coach. I think Ryan Nielsen is is if he's not gone this year, I'll be surprised. You know, Dennis Allen's going to get another shot. I mean, to have that many talented guys in in the building at one time is is a testament to both Mickey and Sean. And I, I think it's very represented on the field. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. 
Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know, I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past. And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they, it's going to be tough if this is the year where they kind of have a mass exodus and there's a lot of these guys that they have to replace. But, you know, I, th- there, this like kind of surfaces up to some idea of mine that's been percolating for a while that I've just always found fascinating between Peyton and Loomis and their relationship dynamic, because you just see so many people, you know, the O'Brien situation in Texas with, in Houston, where he has full control, it blows up in his face and urban Meyer's about to get hired in Jacksonville. And there's talk of him maybe having full control And you just see so much of this around the league where coaches and GMs, they're control freaks, they have huge egos. And and, and to get that far in life, you kind of have to be that way in in a lot of ways, because obviously they've had tremendous success to get to where they are. And yet you look at Loomis and you look at Peyton and the way they work together. And I'll throw the Benson family in there, too, because you need an ownership that's hugely supportive to pull this off. But uh, it, it's always fascinating to me that they seem to have this dynamic where they check their egos at the door. They're able to work together. And there's just been this relationship between the two of them that uh, has functioned since 2006 successfully. And it, it, it feels like it all starts with them. Yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a good assessment. I'm glad you brought up the Bensons because I think that's probably really underappreciated around the league. Um, there are ownership groups in the National Football League that will keep organizations from ever being successful. There's no like you don't have a chance. And we certainly are not in that situation. I know, you know, from my time, there's no resource that you don't have at your disposal. There's nothing that Sean and Mickey ask for that they don't get. Um, and, and I think this all the support you could possibly need um, to be successful, the, the Benson family has always given, which is a testament to them. You know, with Sean and Mickey, <clears throat> it's funny to like bring that up right after talking about Mickey. Mickey has this kind of cool, calm, and collected personality, right? Like when he's telling you something, I always feel like he knows something that I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting, right? You just yeah. He just kind of got this way about him where it's like, I'm, uh, I'm going to learn something right now. Uh, But he's very calm. I think he's very deliberate in what he does, the decisions that he makes. I think he tries very hard to not be emotional. Um, I think that's hard at times. I mean, he's still a human. So when he's talking to Drew, is there an an emotional component? Absolutely. You know, but he's the opposite of Sean Payton, right? So Sean, Sean is emotional. 
Sean is, uh, I mean, he's got like this, like passionate energy about him. He's, he's, everything kind of has a purpose. He's a hundred miles an hour. Um, and you know, Sean does think sometimes that he probably 10 minutes later is like, man, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Um, you know, and, and so I think that they really, they mesh so well from a personality standpoint, right? They're genuinely friends, right? Like Sean and Mickey will go on vacations with their significant others together, right? Like they will want to go somewhere and, and go play golf. I've played golf with them before. They're friends, right? And that's helpful. But I think what has made them work is that both of them appreciate that the other one has an attribute or two that they don't possess and that they appreciate the benefit in that attribute. And so, you know, we would probably maybe move a little too slow in terms of progress if it was just Mickey, because Sean always wants to do something right now, right? Like I, 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 this is, this is a complete guess, but I'd be willing to bet over the last few years, there's been times where Sean really wanted to sign somebody that they didn't have the money for that wouldn't fit in the system, but man, there was an issue, you know, a need and he wanted to fill it right now. And Mickey's gone. That's, it's a mistake. And Sean respects him enough to go. He's probably right. And in the same way, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of that passion that, that Sean has that, that Mickey lets go. Right. He's not going to, if, if Sean says something that's a little bit prickly in the media, Mickey's not going to say anything. He probably agrees with it, but he also is going to let him breathe a little bit and, you know, be who he is. And, and I think that's why they work and they work very closely together and have for a very long time. And usually eventually that gets old, right? Somebody sours on it, but I think there's just a ton of mutual respect between them. I think, you know, Mickey, to this day really thinks that Sean is exactly who he thought he was when he hired him, a brilliant offensive mind, uh, a great communicator and leader. And, and those are the things that you need to be a great coach. And I think that Mickey has proven to Sean over time, you know, Sean didn't hire Mickey. So Mickey has probably, you know, as much of a, not necessarily proving himself, but I think that over time, Sean has really, Sean really respects what Mickey brings as an evaluator and as a leader of the organization as a whole. And I think he probably knows, man, Mickey's probably kept me out of uh, (laughs) trouble a couple of times, you know, making a quick and rash decision. Um, And, and so I think they just, they mesh really well. All right. That's the breaking news siren, Zach. Uh, My confidence with the saints winning Sunday is starting to wane again. Uh, I need you to tell me the confidence that the saints have, what's the confidence like in the building and the vibe that you get from that you've gotten from everybody this week? Well, you know, it stinks because I'm not in the building anymore. Right. This like this new world that we live in has eliminated my ability to walk into the locker room and act like I still play. Um, which by the way, is a really interesting phenomenon when, you know, half that room's like, who is that guy? <laughs> like, why is he just walking around in here? Right. It's kind of a weird uh, situation now it's going to be really weird because I missed the whole season of it um, but they're, they're they're supremely confident I think I think they they've been there right I think that's the hardest thing to kind of explain like what makes Tom Brady great in the playoffs he's been there nothing feels too big nothing is like unusual man Mike Evans has never been there Devontae David Levante Davis never been there right you've got guys that are are 
feeling their way along. And, and the Saints locker room largely has all been there. Even the guys that were brought in this year, like you bring back Malcolm Jenkins, well, he's won two Super Bowls, right? He, he's he's experienced it. He knows the, the, the feeling. You, you take, you know, the guys that, that have grown with this team since 2017, they've been in the playoffs. They've played in these games, and they know exactly what it feels like to lose them. They know what it feels like to win them. And they know that they don't want to have the former, right? They know that we have to find a way to win these games. And you've seen that throughout the year. They've been early in the season. I think eight games in, we had been trailing by at least 10 points in like four games. That's a huge deficit in the national football league. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they came back and, and won three of them. Right. I, I think that group knows that they can accomplish what they want to, but they also know just how fragile the playoffs are and how easy it is to think that you, this is your year and have it not be. And so I, I can't, I can't imagine a situation where that locker room is cocky. Right. right. I mean, they've had so much trauma over the last <laughs> three years, just like the fans have. I just mm -hmm. think it's, it's a, it's a cool confidence that they kind of bring into games now. All right. Are you feeling better, Ralph? I am, but I need this from Zach. You know, we, we, we have old Mora sound bites that we play on the podcast, and we always give our predictions. We ask for our uh, star of the day. So if I play this. They want to bring him to camp. He looks like a star of the day for the Saints. Give me a name that fans aren't talking about, that, that we're not thinking about, that's a key for Sunday's game for the Saints. I'm going to go inside of the saints offensive line and i'm gonna and i don't know that it's a name i think i'll say that whole interior of the offensive line you know when you look over the past few years pass rush has been an issue in the playoffs now the saints have been really beat up on on the offensive line the last few years but i don't yeah. think this secondary can hang with the saints anywhere near the level of health they are on the outside right now right they're talking about getting traquan back so, you know, you're talking about being full strength at the skill positions. I don't think they can hold up in coverage. As a matter of fact, I know they can't. And so then it comes down to, okay, well, can you affect the quarterback? If, if they are able to, to play outstanding, and they, and they need to, right? It's a playoff game. Like, these are the games you need to play at your best. Then I don't think there's any way that the Bucks stop the Saints. Wow, I like um, that. I, I just Feeling think better. I just think there is far too much talent on the outside. Um, it's still a tough team to run against. You know, I think Sean will commit to it. He'll he'll do enough of it to keep them clean. But man, there's a lot of very enticing matchups on the outside that they can create. And so to me, it's about holding up in the interior and, and giving him time and letting him operate. You know, I don't have concerns about the guys on the outside, um, but I think that interior, you know, has had games this year where where you know they've become a problem and i have a lot of confidence in them more than most people do i think it's a good group i just think they got to play that way in this game awesome stuff man well hey zach yeah. thanks for coming on we owe you big time and uh, i'm looking forward to being back down in louisiana oh some point soon so we can we can do a beer at port orleans or a pizza slice at pizza man 
I can't wait. I want that vaccine in my arm yesterday. I cannot wait for my life to get back to normal. I want to do a live show where we're drinking beer and people are being ridiculous at Port of Orleans. I cannot wait. But, Zach, thanks so much for joining us, Guy. Uh, Hopefully the Saints win Sunday and we can carry this on a little further with the Saints in 2020. Uh, So, everybody, thanks for joining us. Become a patron. We're the best Saints podcast on earth, number three in Malta today. So, for Andrew, for Zach, I'm Ralph. We will see you after the big game Sunday night.